Tiger fans, welcome to episode 22 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I'm your host, the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast, Apple users, rate and review the show, and everyone follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love. Jackson State University. Joining me today, we have Charles Bishop, Vic, Mike B, and C. Daryl Neely. Fellas, what's up? Hey, what's up, Corey? All right, I want to thank y'all for taking time out of your busy, busy schedules to join me on the podcast. I know y'all are busy with the, the Netflix binge watching and the video games and all that fun stuff. How's that coming along? Hey, man, it's coming. That's a labor of love to sit here on the couch and Play like you're working while you're being watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's the truth. I'm kidding up on all my old Lawson's episodes. <laughs> yeah, well, I still need a little more time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> still not enough time for you, man. Nah, still not enough. And what about still you, Mike? Can't, can't leave you out. I know you're busy over there homeschooling. So how's that coming along with the, with the Common Core math? Are you coming becoming proficient in that? Uh, no, man, I'm, I'm I'm ready to send her back to school. Um, I don't know who's all over there right now at the school building, but, you know, janitor, whomever, I don't know who over there, but um, I'm ready to send her back next week. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm right along with you, though. I'm right along with you. I'm a fellas, today let's talk about, let, let's have some GOAT talk. That's always a popular discussion, but I want to talk about the greatest quarterback to ever Come on to Lynch Street. Who's the best quarterback in Jackson State history? And I know this is a, a topic that's, you know, just in general, just GOATs, you know, in different sports, different positions, not just Jackson State, of course, but we're talking about NBA, NFL. It's always talk of who's the GOAT. So I want to kind of get you, pick your brain, and, and I want to talk about what's the criteria for determining that because it's always a, a big debate. And people kind of you know factor different things in when they make their their choice. So when it comes to the greatest quarterback in Jack State history, we're talking about, of course, a tradition rich program. A lot of greats have have uh, have come through. But but what do you look at? Do you take into consideration the stats? Do you focus on the championships or the individual accolades or is it the eye test? What do you look at? You know, I, I think it's 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 all of that because it's it's just like making a good gumbo. You know, uh, some people's favorite part is. You've got to have that good, strong brew, and then you got to have your know, sausage. You got to have some seafood in. You got to have some oak. But all of it together is what makes the gumbo. And you can't take one part of a quarterback and say that's the single factor for him being the goat. Uh, I do think, though, as long as there are scoreboards at the stadium and wins and losses matter, then you have to put some emphasis on winning, and you have to put some emphasis on championships. Uh, but it's it's leadership, it's uh, it's 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 athletic ability, it's dynamic playmaking ability, and, and and never giving up. And and did the team follow him, you know, in the tough parts? And did he get, did he get them the wins and get them a championship? Is ultimately what's going to be the criteria to how you define a goal. You know, that's a, that's a great point, uh, Chris, in terms of uh, – that's a great analogy, the, the gumbo analogy in terms of taking a look at all those factors that, that makes a, a great quarterback. You're talking about stats, individual accolades, you know, uh, the, uh, the eye test, if you will, you know, dynamic performances. But, you know, I always borrowed the line from Mike Tomlin in terms of the standard is the standard. And with Jackson State football, the standard is championships. And for me, that, that – 
that is the factor that, that weighs in uh, in terms of how I look at the quarterback position and how I look at that individual quarterback. Did he bring home a ring? And that's what matters to me. Yeah, I think I, I think I'll talk about this a little bit a little bit more in in, in this podcast. But I think that uh, at Jackson State, we talk about championships, but uh, I think some of our most revered quarterbacks don't have any rings. So, so, so it'll be interesting to really see how this all shakes out in this, in this discussion. Yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's a uh, great point, and, and I'm sure you know uh, that, that we'll, we'll get into that not only this podcast but but other podcasts because you just have to look at how you're going to define it. Uh, you know, because you even see this even with the Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, you know, debate. You know, uh, if you're for somebody, you know, championships matter. If you're for the other guy, championships really don't matter. You know, even in the NFL, uh, Brady, you know, has the rings. Drew Brees has the yards. And so people, at least in this region, now argue that Drew Brees is the GOAT. Uh, but when Peyton Manning had the yards, they weren't arguing that Peyton was the GOAT. They were saying it's Brady. So, you know, everybody's going to take that ingredient that they like the most and try to attribute that as the, uh, the, 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 the balance of the scale tip in that way or not. But I do think, as Chuck said, man, it's it just at the end of the day, whether it was that quarterback's, you know, fault or system or whatever may have happened, we, we are defined, you know, by wins and by championships. But you cannot discount, man, to your to your point. You cannot discount dynamic playmaking because it's also about putting butts in the seats. And there are sometimes we may not have been necessarily winning championships, but we were playing some great looking offensive football. And so in yeah, those yeah. Line, that guy is to go. Right. And and along those lines, how about this? Do do you take into consideration the offensive line that that quarterback played behind or the weapons that he had around him or, you know, even the coach that he played for or the system that that he was in? So let's take Robert Kent for an example. Okay, we're talking about a record setting quarterback during his first three seasons under Robert Hughes, John Shannon and Darrell Asbury. But his senior season, of course, under James Bell left a lot to be desired, you know, and that's for reasons that we won't get into on this show. But, you know, again, you know, his first three seasons compared to his last, he looked this the same quarterback, but he looked like a completely different guy just being under a different system or specifically under a different coach. <laughs> so do you, do you factor that in? Well, I think you have to. Um, unfortunately, you know, there, there's no IFC when it comes to football. Football is the ultimate team sport. And when you're trying to determine – uh, which quarterback individually is is the goat of all time? Those those things matter. You know who was the wide receiver, who was the running back, uh, who was the offensive line, who, who was calling the plays. All of those things as a collective uh, are you know like 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 Nina said, it's like it's like a gumbo, and it, 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 all that different mixture is what's going to determine the success of that quarterback. So we've had some quarterbacks who um, who probably could have been. Really good under under circumstances, but didn't have a good season. And then we've had some who've had great seasons, but if you put them under another coach or another team, they might not have fared as well. So uh, unfortunately, it all has to be taken into consideration. So. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think it all comes into play. And I think you know if you were sitting in the barber shop, more times than not, uh, those quote unquote excuse criteria or what are used to define your guy. You know, again, I give you an NFL example. 
You know, our guy, Tate, was the Russian leader, and in our minds, was and still is the GOAT. Well, Emmett Smith passes him. Uh, but the people who really believe Barry Sanders is the greatest running back ever, what they'll tell you is, oh, but if Barry only had a line. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you get it. You understand what they're saying. But one thing about GOAT, I don't care what sport it is, what position it is, it's incumbent upon the GOAT to find a way. So line or no line, system or no system, uh, if you're truly the GOAT at something, you made it happen. Exactly. Uh, and that leads into what I want to say about that. Um, when you have a good quarterback, pretty much the whole team revolves around that. If, if you can get good quarterback play, then the whole team pretty much looks better. You, you can go all the way back in the swag with McNair. Alquan was nothing uh, with McNair, uh, prior to McNair or after McNair. But but once you have a dynamic player like that, then he makes all the difference. And you see it all the time in the SWAC. You can have a good team that has a good quarterback. That quarterback can make uh, the whole team look better and can make a whole different defense uh, look pretty bad. So um, for, 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 for us, when it comes to Jackson State, I've always seen it, whereas if we have a good quarterback, it makes things look a whole lot better for us. Yeah, I, I concur with that. And, and it's it's not only... Uh, athletic play, but just general leadership abilities. You know, it, it did that quarterback make the people around him better? You know, did they start to believe because of what he could do? Did they start to believe because they saw him in the meetings early and staying late and getting exactly. extra rip? Did they start to believe because they just felt that, hey, he's going to make a play, he's going to get us there? Uh, and, and that's one of those, again, criteria where as much as I or Chuck or anybody else may value wins and value championships, that is a key ingredient in the gumbo of what makes a GOAT is the buy-in, you know, for the 10 other guys or the 11 on defense or special teams that just get behind him believing that we're going to ride him because he's going to get us there. And, and, Corey, I think to your point, you mentioned, uh, you know, and talking about the systems, uh, how uh, Robert Kent looked in one particular system versus how he looked in another system. You know, that that's one of those things that always plays in, uh, for me at least, is uh, the mastery of that system. I mean, uh, you take a look at our quarterbacks in the 70s from, uh, from Headache Collins to all the way to Keith Taylor, uh, the, the system that everybody was running the wishbone. And, you know, from my recollection, from my memory, my God, I was, I was such a fan of Keith Taylor, uh, in terms of the way he ran that system. Uh, you, you take a look at that team. I mean, he had Perry Harrison and, and Jeffrey Moore, two 1,000 yard backs. And Keith Taylor almost rushes uh, 4,000 yards himself. So uh, all of that kind of plays into that gumbo makes me keep talking about, Chris. Yeah, and, and Chuck, you know, you look right up the road from us at Starkville, you know, here you have Dak Prescott, who's now in the NFL with the Cowboys. Uh, but in a lot of Bulldog mind, because Bond beat LSU all four years, he's the greatest yes, quarterback in history, <laughs> you know, because he won, he never lost to LSU. And so it was right. a system that they were running, and they had a great quarterback, and they never lost to their rival. And so some other guy, really doesn't matter what he does, in the barbershop, the guy that did something for all four years is, is the GOAT. Uh, so, it, you know, it's, it's, it's six one way, half a dozen years. Very much yeah. so. Right. Now, now, how about longevity? Does it matter how long you played? You know, it kind of goes back to the old 
uh, LeBron versus Jordan debate. Although you you can look at a lot of different you know things that, that go into that debate, but one of the arguments for LeBron is look how long he's done it. You know, X amount of years. I think he's year seventeen or so right now. You know, as opposed to Jordan, you know, didn't play as long. So does he you know get extra points because he played longer? Right or the the Lakers debate? Who's the greatest Laker? Magic Johnson, twelve seasons, but then you had Kobe, twenty seasons. So does he get the edge because of his long longevity? So when it comes to Jack State quarterback, do you give a guy like a Robert? Just going back to Robert King, using him as an example because he was a four year starter, right? Is that worth more than a you know a, a Casey Terrio or a Jimmy Oliver who had success but only in two seasons? And of course, Jimmy, you know, ultimately won the whole thing. So do you take that into consideration? Yeah, I think. I think you do. I think it's the eye test because in your memory, you got to see the other guy for more games. And, you know, great analogies with the NBA level and the number of years, but and when you're looking at college ball, the most you're going to get, you know, at least in that era, was four years. And so a guy, by no fault of his own, that only plays one, it's hard to visualize him as the GOAT because you just don't have a lot of film in your mind, a lot of great moments. Again, that, that Mississippi State analogy, Bond played LSU four times, beat them all four times. And now, now Dak Prescott goes down to Baton Rouge and has a dynamic game against them. But even still, he didn't do it four times. And, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily his fault. And you see that same thing on, on Lynch Street. The guy only got one or two years for whatever reason. He has to have a great one or two years to really yeah. up the numbers and memory of somebody who got four or three years. Yeah, well... For me, I think one word that comes to mind is impact. So you think about a quarterback and you think about what was his impact on the program at that time. So we have a guy like Kent. I think um, he was able to keep us running at a high level the whole time that he was there except for his last year. Uh, but, then, but then you have a guy like uh, like Clayton Moore. We never talked about Clayton Moore, but Clayton got us two championship games, uh, you know, yeah. but – but but we talk about Kent and we talk about Terrio who didn't do that a whole lot more. So but when we think about the record setting play and who got us excited, I don't think that more got us as excited as Kent did right. or as excited as Terrio did. So I think that in the minds of the fans, we were excited to go to the games to see Kent and to see Terrio. Whereas we had overall better seasons with more, I don't think that we looked at more as a game changer or as as much as we did for Kent and for Kent. And material, so uh, so 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 it does matter. So for us, it does matter how many years. But I think that what you do with your time also matters a whole lot to us. You know, I think the only thing in in, in regards to that is uh, we probably you mentioned Clayton Moore and and Jimmy Oliver. Probably it's the timing of when Clayton Moore came. He came uh, behind Jimmy Oliver, and you know we, we remember those. Uh, that Jimmy Oliver game in the, in the 2007 SWAT championship game that just kind of blew everybody's mind. But uh, I, you, you make a fair uh, assessment in terms of bringing up a guy like Clayton Moore who led Jackson State to two uh, uh, SWAT championship games, and he was impactful. And, I, and you, you go through the, uh, the litany of, of Jackson State quarterbacks, it's tremendous uh, quarterback in, uh, through the years, but a, a lot of guys on one four year starters that were tremendously impactful. Uh, you know, uh, in recent history, we always think of a guy like Casey Terrio, uh, Jimmy Oliver, but uh, you take a look at uh, uh, guys who weren't four year starters, maybe like a Jimmy Lewis in the 70s, you know, or, or, or uh, I'm 
Uh, John McKenzie was not a four-year starter, but uh, he also has a SWAC championship, or two SWAC championships. So uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, the impactfulness of the quarterback play. Right. And also, when you think about when you think about the uh, this this may actually be going back to to the quest, to the to the other question that we asked earlier. But uh, when you think about a quarterback, so like Ricky Jordan, Ricky Jordan was a dynamic quarterback, and it only leaves us sometimes just ask, you know, what if Ricky played half of his time injured? But a healthy Ricky Jordan may have may have gone down in the record books as one of our better quarterbacks because I I recall seeing, seeing him do some very dynamic things. But he never won the championship. He he ended up getting injured, and then pretty much that was that was the end of the story for him. You know, so uh, so I think that that, yeah. that that shows for us in itself that a quarterback for Jackson State makes a very big difference in how the, in how the team looks. Uh. A uh, healthy Ricky Jordan in East Floor, my goodness, buddy, he was a sight to see. Great point. <laughs> Charles, Great you, point. Mentioned, uh, you mentioned a couple of those quarterbacks from, from the 70s. Uh, that kind of leads me to my next question. Is it even fair to compare quarterbacks across different eras? And, you know, because if you think about it, things naturally evolve over time, you know, with technology and conditioning programs and the, the workout regimens and, and game planning and the play calling, all that, you know, basic, you know, generally gets better. So do the modern quarterbacks have a built-in advantage in this debate? So I'm basically asking, is this apples-to-apples comparisons? And and also, on the same token, was the SWAC a tougher league 30 to 50 years ago, considering the caliber of players who chose HBCUs back then? So do you penalize the more recent quarterbacks for playing in what's perceived as a weaker SWAC than back in the quote-unquote old days? I don't, I don't know if you penalize, but you certainly have to look at the talent that was uh, at, at, at Jackson State in the 60s. Uh, uh, you take a look at the Orange Blossom Classic teams, 1961 and 1962, led by the great Roy Curry. And you're talking about a team uh, that features uh, Willie Richardson, Glosser Richardson, Thomas Richardson, Al Greer, Speedy Duncan, Berlin Diggs on defense, Floyd Bates. We're talking about a team that had, uh, in essence, over two years, 15 to 16 NFL players. So, uh, you know, the question is a little loaded. I mean, is it fair? Uh, yeah, it's tough to say is it fair, but I think from a statistical standpoint, uh, you'll probably see uh, a difference in the statistics in terms of the modern era quarterback that, of course, throws the ball a lot more than they might have uh, thrown the ball, especially in the 70s. When you take a look at guys like uh, Jimmy Lewis, uh, Sebastian Collins, and uh, Keith Taylor, those guys, they were three yards in a cloud of dust guys. Versus once you start getting to the 80s, and Jackson State still has that power eye formation uh, with a, a, a hard-nosed tailback that, that dots the eye, and you know that he's going to get the football. And, you know, maybe he might have a 15 to 18 attempt. So it's going to be a statistical sort of a, a, a difference in terms of looking at quarterbacks across eras. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment, Chuck. And, I, and to the second part of that, that point about uh, the talent, uh, then versus now, you know, a lot of folks over the years uh, historically would try to discredit Eddie Robinson's wins uh, because of the talent he was playing against compared to, say, you know, uh, a Newt Rockney or, or, or a Bear Bryant or something. And, and the way I look at it is you, you got to beat who's in front of you, you know, and there's no doubt about it that the swag in the 60s and 70s and part of the 80s had SEC talent because those talents weren't going to 
predominantly white schools, they were going to HBCUs. However, you know, 30 years, 40 years later, the guys lining up against against each other are still like abilities. So a quarterback such as a Roy Curry, who was successful then, he was successful against like talent. A quarterback yeah. who plays for Jackson State now, he had to be successful against like talent. So I don't look at it as that, hey, well, the swag is, is not as good as it used to be compared to the, to, to the heyday when HBCUs, it was the only place you can go. My, my thing is, you know, you got to be able to out-coach the other coach. you got to be able to out-quarterback the other quarterback by position by position. So as long as you're beating who's in front of you, as long as you're getting those wins, getting those championships, I kind of discount the argument about when the swag was greater or when talent was lesser or that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and then when you when you look when you look over time, um, you you can even see within within our lifespan the amount of t- the amount of disparity in the in the talent. It goes up and down even even now. There are some teams right now that may be playing HBCU ball that may be better than teams that were playing 10, 15 years ago. So it all depends on what's going on at that time. Sometimes it seems like it goes in waves. There are some times when we have to admit things can look kind of kind of bleak, but then we get some good athletes come through, and they're just as good as anybody else, in my opinion. Great point. Right, yeah, uh, a four three in the SEC is a four three in the SWAC. I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's toss out some names. Who are the candidates for JSU goat quarterback? You know, guys, I'm a fan of Jackson State history. And I am especially a fan of, of, of a time in history that uh, a lot of modern fans don't particularly think about. But uh, those teams that played in 1961, 1962, those Orange Blossom Classic teams uh, that featured Roy Curry, a quarterback, I, I would definitively put Roy Curry uh, within that, uh, within that uh, I guess, pantheon of great quarterbacks at Jackson State. And then my personal two favorites – uh, I grew up idolizing Keith Taylor running the wishbone. I mean, there were guys in Mississippi at the time. Uh, Chris, you mentioned John Bond. There was John Forquet at Ole Miss. And then we had Keith Taylor uh, running the uh, wishbone at Jackson State. And then I think the only quarterback in Jackson State history with four flag championship rings, Shannon Boyd. So, yeah, Chuck, I, I agree that, that, you know, if you're sitting around the fire barrel in the alley on Cleary Street, you know, just off the corner of Lynch and Dalton, and you're having this discussion, you have to put those three, you know, out there. Uh, you know, Keith Taylor had some great members with the curl hanging out the back. And you, you know, you, <laughs> you come up through the, through the modern era, you know, if you look at all the, the, the quarterbacks that W.C. Gordon touched, you know, so you have to put a Sean Gregory in there. If you go even further, you know, just out of dynamic playmaking, uh, you got to you got to be able to talk about Robert Kent and even and even Casey Terrio too. Great yeah, and, and of course we have to put put in there Graylin Pratt. Graylin silently won two two quarter two uh, championships for us. You know, so uh, so uh, those teams were were grinded out teams, so they weren't really fancy. So I don't think they stand out in a lot of people's minds. But Graylin Pratt certainly has to be in that conversation. Great. I'm glad you mentioned that bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned because you, you took words right out of my mouth with that one. Uh, yeah, definitely Graylin Pratt. You have to have to uh, put his name in there, especially if you 
Um, you know, 80s, 80s baby like myself, he came up watching DSU in the, in the, um, in the 80s and 90s. Those were some good teams. Um, I, I'll preface this by saying that uh, there are um, – this, this is so subjective, and that's, that's the good thing about it with, uh, with JSU. Uh, you can make a case for a good 10 or 15 guys, you know, over, over the years. Um, I've heard some people throw Mark Washington names out there. Um, of, course, of course, Kent, but uh, but definitely uh, Graydon Pratt, Mark Washington, uh, Shannon Boyd, you have to uh, throw those names in there. So um, there, there really is no right or wrong answer. You can throw out a handful of guys and, and make a good case for either one of them. So that's something that's very unique to us. Like if you if you went to Alcorn, you know, it's pretty much one guy. You know, if you went to Valley, <laughs> it's pretty much one name you can name. You know, Grambling, you may have you may have one, may have two, depending on how you feel about Bruce Eugene or whatever. But uh, but and JSU, well, this can be a barbershop conversation, you know, for you know for for, for ages. That's a great point. Great point. Now, Mike, you said there's no right or wrong answer, but unfortunately, I can't let you off the hook that easily. We got to pick <laughs> each one of y'all. We, we we have the names, we have the candidates. Now we got to pick one. Who is your goat? JSU quarterback and why? Let's argue. Well, you know, I, I, I've heard heard some names here, uh, and I, I tried to remember them. I heard Curry, uh, Shannon Gore, uh, Pratt, uh, Taylor, uh, Kent, Terry. I, you know, you hear and, and, and it's been said, you can almost draw straws and just you know, and, and any meaning mighty more catch a tiger by his toe, and, and you couldn't go wrong. Uh, but when I look at how we started this conversation off, and you, and you look at wins. Uh, you look at championship, you look at, uh, then you look at the numbers, and you even look at systems. You know, we talked about what one quarterback was able to do. Uh, and, and my guy, uh, that I think is a GOAT, you know, was doing 300 yards a game, you know, with just about 20 attempts a game. Uh, you know, set the first record of 480 plus yards during the game. You know, it would beat our rival, uh, down there in Baton Rouge, scoring about five touchdowns and a half. And I tell you something else I look at that, 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 uh, was touched on with the Roy Curry era. How successful were the people around you? Uh, and yeah, he had yeah. he had two he had two receivers, you know, go to the NFL. So so my guy, uh, when you look at numbers, athletic ability, leadership, wins, and more important, the championships. You know, went uh, three years, two swag championships. I got to go with Sean Gregory, uh, who wore the number one jersey uh, when he was quarterback at JSU, and and I got to go with him as my coach. That's a, that's a great call. That's a great call. So for me, uh, Corey, and, and as I've mentioned, I, I'm a, such a fan of, of Jackson State history. And I've talked with so many of the uh, players who played in what they uh, what we quote-unquote call kind of the golden era of HBCU football. And uh, when you talk about a name like Roy Curry, uh, one, you know, I asked for kind of a modern-day comparison and it kind of shocked me uh, for that modern-day comparison to be Michael Vick. And to think that we had a player of the caliber of Michael Vick that once wore uh, the blue and white of Jackson State uh, in, in Starling. Of course, I never uh, saw Roy Curry play. And of course, he was before my time. But you take a look at the guys that he played with, and as Chris, you mentioned, he played, you know, with two NFL caliber receivers. He played with Speedy Duncan, who was a four-time pro bowler in the NFL. Uh, of that 44 players that was on that uh, 61 and 62 teams, 
15 to 16 players played some time in the NFL. So, and everything that I've heard about Roy Curry, he had all the intangibles. He had the arm strength. He had the smarts. He had uh, unbelievable speed. And he ran uh, what many are uh, uh, say was the West Coast offense before we were called it the West Coast offense because Joe Gilliam Cedar was his offensive coordinator, and he was acknowledged as a genius in HBCU football circles, of course, under the direction of the legendary B. John Mayer. So for me, Roy Curry is the GOAT. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, All right. for me, I'm I'm a little torn between two, but I know I got to pick one. For me, first of all, um, <laughs> I, I, I want to go with Sean Gregory, and I want to say that because, for, in my opinion, um, when you talk about Jackson State football at its height in the modern area, uh, we're talking about uh, the the era that we really uh, were dominating the SWAC. We were going to the playoffs, winning championships, putting people in the NFL, um, and and around the era that we were really p- packing the stands. That's Sean Gregory, and that's what got me excited about Jackson State football. So for me personally, uh, Sean Gregory stands out. Those teams in, in the late '80s. Those are the teams that, to me, were some of the best teams that JSU has ever put forth. But I'm going to go with Robert Kent as my as, as my goat, and as in stark contrast to Sean Gregory because Kent didn't win any championships. But for me, when I look at when I look when I look at when I look at Robert Kent, in some instances he was a one man machine. He had a lot of receivers around him and things like that. But I don't think that he had. The defense. He didn't have a big daddy defense helping him out like Sean Gregory did. He didn't have uh, uh, a stellar special teams. He had to really battle the whole game, you know, to make sure that we looked as good as we did. If he had a defense or a better special teams play, I think that we'd look that he would definitely have won some championships. So to me, looking at what he had to had to do and, and what he had to endure, even when it comes to his offensive line, King got beat up every week. But Ken stood right back up and got right back into the fire. So to me, that's 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 the kind of quarterback I like. Yeah, he did take some hits. He did take some hits. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so my my goal, uh, greatest of all time, Jackson State football quarterback. Um, again, I, I mentioned earlier. I said this is. You know, it's all subjective. It's all about your personal preferences and, and, and your biases. And this was definitely a bias pick for me. And um, not so much for what he did at JSU. He did some great things at JSU, but uh, I was following this guy since he was in high school. And uh, I have my, you know, my, my high school top five, the guys I've seen in high school. And never in a million years that I would think that anyone in my Mississippi top five high school would have found their way to Jackson State, but this guy did. You know, I watched him when he came out of uh, out of East Marion, one of the best quarterbacks. Um, it's 11th grade year, 12th grade year. I see him, you know, throw for 400 yards, run for 150 yards easily. Then got to his senior year, he committed to Alcorn. I said, dang. I said, this guy's going to kill him. But um, things didn't work out there. He went the Juco route. Then committed to USF. Then somehow, when Thomas came on board, he found his way at Jackson State. And that young man is Jimmy Oliver. And when, when J.O. came in, uh, he had so many things working against him. Uh, you know, coming into a new offense, new scheme, 
Uh, he still find a way, find a way to win games going into his senior season. Um, the offense coordinator really wasn't wasn't satisfied with him. Tried to tried to keep him off the field, but he couldn't be denied. The Brady and Trey Rowland, but he still found his way to the starting spot, and he went on to lead us to a great title. And one thing about Jimmy Oliver, you can question his accuracy or his attitude or whatever, but the dude made plays when they were needed. When we needed a play, he went out there and made a play, whether it's with his with his, with his arm or with his feet or with his arm and feet. He went out there and made plays. So for that reason, Jimmy Oliver is my goat. Uh, top five Mississippi quarterback, uh, high school of all time, in my opinion. Um, he has some great names out there along with him, but uh, definitely my you know my JSU goat. All right. So, so guys, no mention of Casey Terrio. Casey Terrio is no, nobody's go. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a Casey fan. I mean, we I'm just. I mean, you knew somebody was going to be left out. I, I, I knew Casey might be, you know, on 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 the fringe. Uh, for me, I mean, Shannon Boyd is running like a real close right behind Lord Curry. So. It's, it's too many to name, Corey. It's too many. It's too many to name. I mean, we, hey, we just had Casey on. We just had Casey on the show two weeks ago. No love for Casey, man. Oh no, we got we got all of us will take all of us will take Casey back right now. to me, yeah, but to me, if you want to argue this point, when I look at at, at Kent and I look at Terrio, uh, Kent being being my pick. I think that actually Terrio had a better overall team, a better well-prepared team uh, going out onto the field to help come out than I think Kent did. I think, uh, honestly, when we had Kent, that we were a little bit outmanned uh, in, in a lot of areas. Uh, I, I think that, that with Terrio, I don't think that was the case. I, I think that uh, that Kent was at a little bit more of a disadvantage than Terrio was. Terrio is definitely one of our greatest uh, you know, but I, but but that was the deciding factor for me when it came to him and, and Kent. Yeah, I think yeah, Terry I, was, was a breath of fresh air. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was I was saying, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a Terry guy. You know, I, I I think if this was a conversation about dynamic play, you know, about excitement, you know, in the stands and you know, and in mm-hmm. comebacks, you know, uh, then we'd probably be having a, a different conversation. But when I look again at gumbo mix, all the things that go in. Uh, to make him use a goat, including achieving uh, uh, beyond things that that work more than your So that's even like a, a blemish. And I hear you, big on on Superman Kent. Like I get it, I hear you. Uh, but I have to, even though it was no fault, quote unquote, of his own. I have to measure that senior year too. He played. He was the quarterback. Yeah. Now, so we can yeah. have a whole show on what James Bell is, but we're talking about four no, quarterbacks that didn't do that. Yeah. No, <laughs> thank you. I, I am not even talking about that year at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I yeah, I understand. Kent, Kent may be my guy if Bell wasn't his coach. Uh, but when I just look at that overall, you know, all those intangibles for GOAT, uh, I'm 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 still going Gregory and probably putting you know uh, Curry uh, at number at number two. I still don't put Terrio there as great as he was because he was more of that dynamic player than he was an overall goat. Yeah, you know, fourteen hundred Main Street. Yeah, Terrio he brings a lot of fresh life to the program. 
Yeah, I think too. You know, a ring matters to me. So, yeah. And when it comes to uh, when it comes to Terrio, I think I think uh, I think the system, uh, given that we had an OC that those two years who came in and and ran a totally different system that we had been used to, uh, he just he just he just opened it all up. Luckily, he had a, a guy like Terrio who could run it for him. But pretty much our system sort of sort of changed after that. So. So pretty much, uh, Terio is sort of like an aberration, a little bit of what we saw the last ten, you know, ten years or so, because that offense was just one that was just wide open and just, you know, luckily he could run it. But I don't know how many other quarterbacks really could have ran that the way that he did it, you know. So uh, I think I think it's hard to kind of compare him because I think the offense was a little different than what we than everything else that we had seen in in, in, that, in that time. Yeah, and that's why you know and I'm gonna still beat my my Sean Gregory drum because because one one of the things that I look at when I elevate Sean's position is again the the stats in the system. Uh, when you had a guy you know doing 400 plus yards a game, but only getting the opportunity to throw the ball you know 20 times a game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and clearly he was fortunate to have Jimmy Smith, and clearly Jimmy Smith was fortunate to have him. Uh, you know, same mm-hmm. thing with Rice Totten up there in Valley, you couldn't have one without the other. Uh, but we were, as you were saying, you know, a strong defense then and, and strong run game. Dixon and Lee Holloway back there. And, you know, we were running way more than we were passing. So just as much as I can say, well, if this guy had a different system, what, what he would have been, even the guy that I'm calling my GOAT, you know, he was only getting 15 to 20, 22 attempts a game throwing the rock. You know, just imagine he had he been allowed to throw it 40 times like Casey was, uh, you know. <laughs> That would have been McNair type numbers, you know. He didn't not, not necessarily the wheels that McNair had because Sean went through a, a injury, a leg knee injury at one point. Uh, but when you look at the stats, and even if you skew the stats down to per attempts, and then you look at the success of those people around him, you know, I still have to give that nod, you know, over Ken or Curry. But but Ken and Curry are right there in my book, though. So guys, let me ask this: Jackson State. From 1985 to 1989, had a 28-game sweat winning streak, and, and the quarterback of record uh, through the majority of that winning streak was Shannon Boyd. How much weight does he get within this goat conversation? He gets a lot, you know. Uh, he, 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 you know, it, I think it was Mike that pointed out, man. This thing is so tight and so close that you could make a, a valid argument any direction, and it is really a testament to what we built on Lynch Street, you know, that you can have that many stellar quarterbacks, particularly compared to our our competition, that we literally get to debate this. You know, the other schools are just clear-cut. It's this guy, period. Yeah. No discussion. Yeah. You know, we, we got about 10 names that you can, that you can make a valid case for, uh, and we still haven't really gone into, you know, the 60s or back in the 50s when they were playing Iron Man. You know, we still leave out a lot of a lot of right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, but again, Chuck, how we started this thing off, this conversation off, you got to put, uh, you know, a true gumbo is going to have some seafood in, it. and so it's got its best wins. Uh, a true gumbo is going to have an excellent roof, and and that's championships. And when I when I look at those two things, then add in the other ingredients, it's still neck and neck between some guys because, like you said, uh, you know, Shannon Boyd was was part of that winning tradition, you know, that handed it over uh, to Sean. I, I think by the time Sean Gregory got the reins, we had, we had won five of the last six. And so yeah, yeah. He, he did inherit a system that had a true winning tradition 
Uh, but, you know, just, just think about somebody trying to replace Brady in New England. You know, so that's a lot of pressure. Uh, to, to keep that machine rolling and, and testament to those staffs that we had then that could go out and recruit players and develop them and keep the winter tradition alive, which is, you know, different show, different conversation. That's something we got to get back to. We got to stop just yeah. winning for a year, being down for years and winning for a year and being down two years. We have to, as, as Chuck said, and credited to Mike Tomlin, the standard is the standard. Uh, and, and, and it's the standard that has allowed us to be able to have this kind of debate over this many guys because you had to perform at that high level. All right, fellas. Well, we we got to close the barbershop. We can stay open all night with this debate, but uh, you guys have spoken. We have. <laughs> wait, 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 Corey, Corey. Uh-huh. Um, um, you going to um, weigh in on this one? Hey, we have. I, mean, I know you're the host and all, but. Uh... I, I'm going to weigh in on it. We have. Roy Curry, we have Sean Gregory, we have Robert Kate, we have Jimmy okay. Oliver, barely missing, <laughs> <laughs> barely missing out. We have Shannon Boyd and Casey Terrio. And one thing I can't, I can't tell you, there's a guy right now who is really, really upset. He's probably throwing his phone all around the place. His name is Avis Get Ready Heath. He is a Casey Terrio guy. Avis, I told you to come on the show. You declined. I said, okay, we need somebody to represent Casey. I guess you just assumed that he is name would be mentioned and this is what happened so i'm just the host don't message me you can message charles bishop you can message chris Dare neely you can message mike bradley and Vic flair message those four guys they let me know all right fellas thank you guys for coming on that'll do it for this episode of tiger talk with the 1400 club Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users rate and review the show. And everyone follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. Leave a question or a comment while you're at it and we'll be sure to read it on air. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting every episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag Pack the Vet.